Thanks for being here, everyone. Homestead Community Church, we're glad you're with us today. Fourth of July weekend, especially on this special day, we're having a barbecue after. I hope you can stick around and join us. We'd love to, love to have you. Um, we are continuing our series. Um, I, I recognize that they're gr probably grilling the burgers right now, and the wind is cooperating. But if at any point the hand of the Lord shifts the wind and so the burger smell comes in here, I'll immediately stop preaching and we'll just go out there because I'll, no I'll know I'll have lost you by then. So, um, Especially as we get close to the lunch hour. We've been doing a series on uh, Galatians where, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. We've been calling this series Fruit. We are in week four. So this week we are talking about the fruit of peace. Um, but before we got into that, oh, that was my bookmark there. Um, I think Michael mentioned, I wasn't in the room here, but he mentioned the Psalm 34 scripture challenge. So we're going to do a little refresher course for all of you who have been memorizing Psalm 34. If you've been going along with us, the two verses a week, we should have the first six verses memorized. So this coming week would be verses seven and eight. Now I know what you're thinking if you haven't started you're already like eight verses behind. It really, I promise you, if I can do it, then you can do it too. I'm, I, I have an old man brain where I forget stuff pretty easily. Um, but it really, ha it takes a few minutes, even just a few minutes a week. I have this handy bookmark sitting right by my desk and I just kind of memorize the next two verses. We all have different ways of memorizing it. Some of us find, I find little patterns that go with the verse number and that's how I remember how to do it. Christy has a whole other, she thinks very differently than me, which as you've been married to your spouse long enough, you probably realize, yes, we think very differently in memorizing included. Um, but let's do this. I think I got the verses. We're going to throw them up there. Let's stand together and we're going to recite through. Now, if we can do this from memory, let's do it from memory. And if you haven't been playing along at all, you can pretend you're doing it from memory right now. Psalm 34, this is the NLT translation. We're going to read the first eight verses. This is what we should have memorized by the end of this coming week. Here we go all together now. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me and he freed me from all my fears. Those to look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joy of those who take refuge in him. All right, that's one through eight. We can do that. You can be seated. Thank you. That was great. I, I'm excited, and some of you have been doing this, posting to social media. It's been great to see, especially the cute little kids. I mean, kids can memorize stuff like that. They put us grown-ups to shame. Um, but I'm ex I love seeing the Word of God be living and active in people's lives. I'm excited to the end of the summer where we've got people posting. Hopefully this happens. Hopefully we can do it too, where the whole chapter, I believe we can, 22 verses, we can do it. Um, I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see those posts come as the summer goes on. All right, so we are going to start today in Galatians, reading that chapter where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, and I want to read those verses to you. Just kind of recap the main theme of this series. Galatians 5, verse 22 through 25 is where the, this passage of Scripture is, and it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's another great you know, a few verses that we should memorize sometime. But what a great passage of Scripture. Talking, I love how it talks about, and I mentioned this last week as we talked about joy last week. Talking about peace today, it's the same thing. I love how the, the writer, the Apostle Paul, lays this out of what this means to have new life in Christ. This is what it means to have new life in Christ. These are the things that should be evident in our life. We should start to see a change in our life when we have new life in Christ. We should see love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and all those things. And I was talking about it last week. I love the verses after that where it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I made the connection, and and the Apostle Paul obviously makes this connection, of when Jesus was crucified, he died on the cross and then was raised to new life on Easter Sunday. That's what we celebrate. Well, when we become followers of Jesus, it's the same thing for us. We crucify our old selves. It's like our old selves with all our sinful desires and all the old ways of living. We're crucified with Christ, and we are alive now in new life. The new life has come. And I, may, I meant to talk about this last week, but I forgot. Um, this is so significant when we do water baptism. This is why we do water baptism. And we haven't done a water baptism service at Homestead, but I want to do one either late summer or early this fall before the lakes get, you know, too cold and everyone starts being leery of getting in the water or a swimming pool or something. We'll find a body of water somewhere. And I want you to be thinking of that. Maybe you've never been water baptized. Maybe you've been going to church your whole life. Maybe you were baptized as an infant in another church, in the Catholic church or whatever. We believe that water baptism comes when a believer is old enough to make that decision to follow Christ, and then they become water baptized. And I love the significance of that. It's because it's exactly what Paul is saying in Galatians here. The significance of water baptism, when you get lowered down into the water, that signifies your old life being done, your old way of living. You are dying to yourself. And then when you come out of the water, it's signifying this very thing, new life in Christ. So I want you to be thinking of that this summer. If you've never been water baptized, I would like you to think about doing that. And we'll come up with a time, late summer, early fall, where we'll do that. We'll find a swimming pool or something somewhere where we can do that. But I would love to have you, if you've never been water baptized, to think about that. And when you think about water baptism, think of those things, that my old life, maybe you've been baptized, my old life went away when I went down into that water, and when I came up, it's new life in Christ. So today, as we continue talking about fruit, we're going to talk about peace. And I, am, I like that peace fell on this Sunday, on this weekend. I was thinking about that this weekend. We need we could use some peace around, right? We could use some peace around the world. Just, man, it just seems like fear and war and terrorism. Another terrorist attack today, I believe in Baghdad, another suicide bombing. Um, Yesterday, Bangladesh, you know, recently, Orlando and other countries around the world. Just, we need peace in this world, right? There seems to be a shortage of peace in this country, certainly in the areas of politics, it's becoming so combative, certainly in regard to race relations in this country, the political divide, the economic divide. It seems like down, there's just more and more mean people, or maybe they're just the ones that they're putting on television, so that's the only ones we see. Seems like there's more and more mean people in our country. We just need peace. We need peace in our homes. Some of us have home lives that are just 
filled with turmoil. And we need peace in our own hearts. And I talked about this last week, how my, if I had a fuel gauge for joy in my life lately, I've seen it kind of running a little low. It would be the same thing in my life with peace lately. I don't know what's going on, but I just feel more anxious. And maybe you're like that. Maybe you experience that. We need to have some peace. But I was thinking about that this week. The idea of all that's going on in the world, wars and countries threatening to go to war and North Korea testing out missiles and ISIS and terrorism and all these things, and you start to feel like, you start to feel like, man, I don't know if there's an answer to this. And I was thinking about it this week. Uh, I was thinking in the Gospels, you read the story of Jesus after he was crucified and he rose again. He met with the disciples and he said to them, okay, uh, I'm about to go away, meaning I'm about to go to heaven, and the Holy Spirit's going to come. And he said this to the disciples, it's actually better for you if I go. And I'm sure the disciples were thinking, wait a minute, you're Jesus, you're the Son of God, you're the one who can do the miracles, you're going to leave, and you're going to leave us in charge, the Christians, and you're saying that that's a better thing. Like Jesus is saying, it's better for you if I go. It's better. This is going to be a better solution. So I was thinking about that even today. When we think about the world, when we think about, man, it just seems like everything's going downhill. It seems like fear is everywhere. It seems like the world is falling apart. Do you ever start to feel like that? And if you watch the news, it's easy to start feeling like that. And I just want to, I wanted to remind us today that we, we are, if you're ever looking at the world and you're thinking, boy, I wish God would do something, or I wish somebody would do something, or what's the solution to this? There was that day 2,000 years ago when Jesus said, my church will be the influence in the world. So if you're ever wondering what, the, what God's plan is to make this world a better place, we're it, okay? We're it. Now, we might look around the room and be like, really? Like, really? That's the plan? That's the best plan you've got? But this was what Jesus had in mind when he said to his disciples, I'm going away, and I'm going to fill the world with my church. And like these verses in Galatians, this church is going to be filled with the Spirit, filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. And this is going to be the force for good in the world. And Jesus is was the son of God. He would have known what was about to have happened. He would have known persecution against the Christians was about to break out. There was going to be wars. There was going to be the dark ages. He would have known there's going to be times when the world would be at war with each other. He would have known about our world today when terrorism was running rampant and everything was so polarized and combative. And he would have known all of that when he said, it's still the best plan. My church around the world making an influence for good, being filled with the Spirit. So we are the plan. This is why these verses in this series are so important. We need to have the fruit of that, of that life in Christ be evident in us because that is what is going to make a difference in our world. We can't be looking for someone else to come and fix everything. We're the church. We are going to be that force for good, bringing joy, bringing peace, bringing love and kindness. That is what it is all about. We are the plan. So I wanted to remind us of that today. So today, as we look at peace, and I'm watching the clock because everyone's wondering when we're going to go outside and eat barbecued hamburgers. But we're going to talk about three ways we can live in peace today. Three ways we can live in peace. 
And the first one is this. The first one is kind of foundational. It's this. We need to have peace with God. These are going to be up on the screen, I believe. Peace with God. All right? The first, this is kind of foundational. And for most of you, I'm assuming, since you're in church today, maybe you've been in church a long time, you have a relationship with Christ. You, would, you are a follower of Christ. You know what it's like to have peace with God. Everything else I'm going to talk about today depends on this foundational thing peace with God. This comes from knowing you are in right relationship with God. This comes from knowing your sins and your past have been forgiven. This comes from knowing you've received the salvation of Jesus Christ. You've acknowledged that you're a sinner and you need a Savior, and Jesus Christ died and paid the price for your sins. This is the ultimate peace. It says this in Romans 5, chapter 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, since we have that relationship with God, we have accepted the mercy of Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. This is foundational. Just out of our, you know, the reason why we're here, we were, you and I were created to have a relationship with God. You and I were created to have a relationship with God. Sin entered the world. We were born sinful, and sin separates us from God. And there's still the case for billions of people in the world today. They are living every day unaware of why they're even on this earth. Have you ever, and maybe you're sitting here today wondering, why am I here? What, what point is there to life? Well, imagine not knowing about God. All the people in the world today living without the idea of the very reason why they were created. To live without God is to live without knowing true peace. It's to live without knowing why you even exist. It's to live without knowing that you are loved by God, knowing that your eternity is secure in Jesus Christ. There is a great peace that comes from knowing that you are right with God. We had a, a death in the family this week. Christie's grandmother, Betty Lane, so Roger's mom, Betty Lane, she died earlier this week. And uh, in the midst of all the, and maybe you've experienced this in a, in a death in the family um, that wasn't necessarily overly tragic, but as someone who was a believer in Christ, you've experienced this. You've experienced, in the midst of all the sadness, and there's some hurt, and there's certainly mixed emotions, there is a great peace that comes. There is a huge difference going to a funeral for someone who loved the Lord and going to a funeral for someone who did not. There's just a peace that is evident when you know someone lived their life for Christ. You, we know that Grandma Betty had a relationship with the Lord. She was at peace with God. So in the midst of all of the hurt and the sadness and all these other things, there is a peace that comes through that. There's a peace when we know we are in right relationship with God. This is foundational. If you want to experience any sort of peace in your life, you need to be at peace with God. And if you've never done that, if you've never done that, it is so, it's as simple as just saying, Jesus, I accept your forgiveness. I know I'm a sinner, and I need your mercy and salvation. And that's it. And then you are right with God. You can have that relationship with God. You can be connected with God in the way that it was designed when you were created, when the world was created. If you've never done that, you're never going to experience peace in your life until you have peace with God. All right, that was the first one, peace with God. Second one is this, peace with others. Peace with others. 
think about all the relationships in your world. I'm guessing there's probably one or two that you would say, maybe it's family members, maybe it's friends, maybe whatever it is, there's probably one or two of them that you say, yeah, that relationship is not great right now. I am not at peace with that person. Maybe there's a certain name. If I mentioned a certain name in your world, instantly you'd start feeling anything but peace. You would start thinking, oh, that, that relationship is broken or it's strained or whatever it is. How much difference would it make in our lives if we were at peace in our relationships? Colossians 3.15 says it like this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace. Again, this is the Apostle Paul. He's writing this letter in Colossians to a group of early Christians. And this group of early believers, they started out believing in Christ and everybody was united, but after a little bit of time, there started to be some conflict amongst the believers. There started to be some differences of opinion. There was divisions and conflict amongst a group of believers. Imagine that, a, a, a church where there was conflict and division way back 2,000 years ago. We, we probably can't relate to that today, but I'm being sarcastic. Of course we can relate to that today. The idea of conflict amongst a group of believers. Unity in the body is so crucial. And I think it's because Jesus would say, one of the ways you're going to be known as my disciples is by being at peace with one another. Paul is writing this to this early group of Christians, and he's encouraging those Christians to allow the peace of Christ, the peace that only Christ can give, to take the place of quarreling, to take the place of division and bitterness and conflict. And uh, in the original language this was written in, the word that was used for that idea of uh, the word for rule, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, that word for rule would be the same word that they would have used for like a, um, an official at a sporting event. So for us, it'd be like saying an umpire or a referee. So think about that. When you think about let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, let it be the referee, let it be the deciding factor. I was thinking about that this week, thinking about as a kid, I remember at elementary school, and kids probably don't do this as much today, and that's why the older generation says, you kids watch too much TV or whatever, because we would just go outside and we would play, and it didn't matter, we'd have a ball and some sort of a stick or a, a, something to throw it against or someone to throw it at, and we would just make up rules. We'd make up our own rules, right? You just give us a, give us a stick, uh, give us a branch and a, and a piece of tape, and we'll figure out something, a game to play, right? And I remember at, at elementary school, we had this game where we had a tennis ball, and we'd throw it against the wall, and you could bounce, I mean, maybe it's an actual game. You'd have to hit the ground first and then hit the wall and it could bounce once and then your opponent had to catch it. And then there was a little ledge on the wall, so if you threw it just right, it would bounce super fast. And we called that something something like a laser or something, of course, because little boys' lasers were best. You know, that's anything awesome had to be a laser. So I and we would make up the rules and we'd say, okay, well, what about what happens here? And we'd say, well, how about this? And we'd agree to it. And I don't remember a ton of conflict. It seems like kids are able to kind of get into a playground, figure out the rules of the game. Nobody's ever asked asking for a referee because they just kind of figure it out. They're like, okay, well, let's, let's work it out. But then there was always that one kid who would come along, right, who always had to be right, who always had to be like, the rules always had to work in their favor, and then something would go wrong and a point against him, he'd be like, well, no, because that's not allowed because the ball was thrown too fast, and, that's in the, and we're like, no, that's not in the rules. And all of a sudden, it gets more complicated when somebody is thinking only about themselves. I was thinking about that. Can you imagine... 
like pro sports today without any referees, there would be there'd be no way. There'd be no way. I was watching a soccer the soccer match yesterday, Germany versus Italy. Every play now, it seems, and this is, happens in basketball too. That's why I have a hard time watching basketball because every play, both teams turn to the ref and start yelling at the ref. And I'm like, well, how can both teams be mad at the ref at the same time? But sure enough, a ton of times, everyone's looking to the umpire, to the ref, and mad at the ref. And we, there's no way we could have pro sports today because everybody's just worried about themselves. There would be way too much conflict. And I think that is an interesting analogy when we think of these words that it, Paul was writing in Colossians. Let the peace of Christ be the umpire be the deciding factor. Instead of quarreling and bickerness, what if we let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts? What if when there was potential conflict, a break in a relationship, instead we allowed peace to win out, to be the deciding factor? What if we allowed peace to take precedent over anything else? Look at our culture today in, this, in, our, in our nation. Everybody is so quick Christians included, Christians, non-Christians, both sides of the political debate, whatever, whatever side of society you're on, everybody is so quick to put up their defenses, to self-protect, to accuse the other, to strictly oppose anything that doesn't agree with what we want or that doesn't suit us. How quick does anything in our culture today turn polarized and combative? Certainly in the day and age of cable news and social media, man, it just goes quick, combative. Don't you think we could use a heavy dose of peace? And even if just the followers of Christ had peace in their heart when it came to relationships, to allow the peace of Christ to rule? What if we, as the followers of Jesus, just decided to let our defenses down, to be at peace with one another? This would go a long way in our world. This would go a long way. So for some of us, as we look at this point number two today, I mean, for all of us, we need to do this. We need, we need to do this. We need to have the peace of Christ rule in us more and more. But for some of you today, there's a specific thing you need to do in response to this message today. There's someone you need to forgive. There, you know it. There's someone you need to forgive. Maybe you need to pick up the phone. Maybe it's someone that you're going to see at a family barbecue this weekend and you're already dreading it. And maybe tomorrow when the family gets together, it can be that moment where you offer forgiveness or you ask for forgiveness. But let's work on this. Let's let the peace of Christ in regards to our relationships with others take priority. If just the followers of Christ did this, if just the Christians in our nation did this, we would make such a difference in our world. Finally, number three, we need to have peace in our own lives. Peace in our own lives. This is the third one. One of the fruits of Jesus' followers, and when we read the fruits of the Spirit, one of the signs of life, one of the evidences that you are a follower of Christ is if you have an increased level of peace just in your own heart just in your own heart. I've already fessed up because I've got the microphone. This has not been the case for me. My level of peace has been going down. Maybe you're the same, maybe you're the same way. Philippians, we're going to, if you have your Bibles, you can turn over just a couple pages, Philippians chapter 4 from where we were at. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7 says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, 
But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then get this key verse number seven. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. What a powerful scripture that is. What a powerful reminder to us. Rejoice in the Lord always, always. Don't be anxious about anything. In every situation, pray about it and then be at peace. Pray about it and trust God that he's taking care of it. It's pretty straightforward stuff, right? This is not complicated stuff. It's very difficult to do in reality. It's very difficult to do that every day. But to understand what Paul is saying here, what the writer is saying here, it's not that difficult. In fact, it's actually kind of annoying that he, that scripture, that he says everything in such definite terms, it's kind of, it's he says it so definitively. We have a rule in our house, which we tend to follow, Christy and I, when we tend to get into a, an argument or a fight, we like to avoid the definitive words like never. You never do this. You always do this. We try to stay away from those because instantly those kind of just raise up defenses. And I think, well, no, I've done that. You say I never did this. I did that once in 1999 and Therefore, your argument is void and, you know, stuff like that. But Paul writing this, it's super annoying because he's using those absolute, definite terms. When should we rejoice? Always. To whom should our gentleness be evident? Everyone. That drives me nuts. Don't be anxious about what things? Any of them. None of them. What situations should we pray about instead? Every one of them. I'm like, ah, it's so annoying. We like, I would much rather have the middle ground. We like the middle ground. I'll rejoice when things are good, God. When you have enough good things coming my way, I'll rejoice. I'll pray about something when I can't fix it myself. You know, and when we do that, everything becomes circumstantial. I talked about this with joy last week. If we have enough good things in our life, we will be joyful. Same thing with peace. If we have enough good things in our life, then all of a sudden we feel at peace. And Paul, the writer of those verses in Philippians, just takes that mentality of ours and just throws it out the window. Be patient always. Commit to prayer in every situation. Rejoice always. Always be anxious and worry about nothing. When we commit our cares to God, when we truly commit our cares to God, things that we are worried about, we commit them to him and then we worry about them no more. We don't worry about them anymore. Man, that is difficult. But this is what Paul is saying. This is what having this fruit of the spirit of peace in our life looks like. We give our cares to God and then we don't worry about them anymore. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome to live every day like that, right? Amen? If you got a fan, give me a, a fan, amen? You know, it would be awesome to live that way, but yet here it is in the Scripture. This is not only Paul is saying is it possible, but this is what we should be doing. This is what we should be seeing as the fruit of the Spirit becomes more and more evident in our life. So if you're not seeing it, and I'm talking to me right now, if you're not seeing an increased level of peace... You're like uh, our garden in the back that Christy had to weed this week because all the weeds were growing up and choking out all the good stuff. If you are seeing your peace choked out by all the worries and anxious thoughts, it's probably a trust issue. You probably have a trust issue. And I talked about this the same way with joy last week. The more we trust God, 
the more we believe that he loves us, the more that we know he cares and that he is powerful and that he's working and that he's moving in our lives and that he's guiding and that he's providing for your every need, the more that we trust God in that, our anxiety goes down and our peace goes up. In fact, one key way to know that you're in fact trusting God is if you're seeing that anxiety level go down. If you see anxiousness increasing, you have a trust problem. You don't have a circumstances problem. You don't need better circumstances. You need to trust the Lord. Last week, I broke it down for all the left brain people who like to be more analytical, more like mathematic and scientifical, where I had a very simple math problem. Trust equals joy. So I have another one here for you. Here's more math science right there. Look at that. Trust and peace. It says right at the top, science. So you might be thinking, I'm not listening to anything this guy says, but you can't argue with science right there. Look at that. It goes through the roof. The more you trust, right up to 100. I love that it's got 100 there. might be too small. The more you trust, the more you will experience peace. There it is. Math, science, plain and simple right there. If you have a lack of peace and you're feeling anxious, you don't need better circumstances in your life. You need to trust in our God. Amen? You need to trust that he is working. And I love that verse 7 that we just read in Philippians, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That peace of God that transcends understanding, which means when it doesn't make sense, when you have friends that say, how can you be so at peace right now with everything going on? How in the world can you be so calm with everything going on in the world? How can you be so joyful? How can you be so loving? And it's because we have the fruit of the Spirit. We have this peace which transcends human understanding. Guarding our heart and our mind. Picture a soldier on guard. Guarding our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus. When the world is freaking out about everything, we are at peace because we trust God. I want this to be more at work in my life. I want this to be more at work in your lives. I want the Christians in our world, I want Homestead Community Church to make a difference in our community by just being people of peace, being people of have the fruit of the Spirit evidenced in their life, in our families. Man, when I think of my kids, all the things that I'm pouring into my kids right now, one of the things I want them to learn, and I've been challenged as my peace fuel gauge has been going a little bit lower lately, one of the things I've been challenged is I want them to know a dad that was at peace in trusting God. I want them to know, I want them to grow up in a home that mom and dad were always at peace because they trusted God no matter what happened. That's what I want. So I want to encourage you, just allow the fruit of the Spirit, allow the peace of God to be evident. If you've never done it, make a decision today to be at peace with God. Admit your sin. Admit that you need a Savior. If you have relationships with others that are not peaceful today, take that step. Offer forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness. And in your own life, every time you start to feel anxious, read these words in Philippians 4. Read those words in Galatians chapter 5. Think about my highly scientific graph that was up there a minute ago. And just commit it to God. Say, God, I trust you. And I'm asking for the peace that transcends all understanding to, cut, to guard my heart and my mind. Let's pray together as we close. 
Father, first we pray for us individually that this would just take root in us. This fruit of the Spirit, this fruit of peace would be more evident this week. So I pray that you would remind us anytime this week that we feel fearful and anxious, that we would simply acknowledge that you are in control, we would give you our cares, and we would not worry about them anymore. We would be at peace. And instead, we would choose to rejoice knowing that you are working. In our families, in our marriages, in our relationships, God, this week, I just pray for your peace to reign. Any areas of uh, conflict, I pray that your peace would reign like an umpire in that situation. Just let the peace of Christ reign and rule. And finally today, Lord, this Independence Day weekend, we pray for our country here. We pray for our nation. We pray for, first of all, our world, just the conflict and the fear around our world, and specifically in our nation, just the divisiveness and the bitterness and the conflict. Lord, we ask that the peace of Christ would reign. And Lord, we know that it is your church, your people, infiltrating every part of our society, our workplaces, our schools, our governments, whatever it is, and just living lives full of the fruit of the Spirit. This is what is going to make a difference in our nation. So, Lord, we pray that you would use us, that you would use us to make a difference in our world. We pray for peace in our land. We pray for our government officials. We praise you and thank you for all the people who are giving their lives to serve our nation, to protect our nation. We thank you for them. We, may we take some time out of our schedule this weekend to honor them and thank them for their sacrifice and what they've done. Lord, we commit ourselves to you. May the peace of Christ reign. We pray for our time together following this service. We pray that there would be great relationships strengthened and made, friendships made. I pray that you would bless the food, that you would give us a wonderful time together. Bless our church today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.